Do you have a process in place, one that you could point to the steps in that process to get a return on investment when it comes to failure? Do you have the ability to not just fail and then pop back up and keep going? I think sometimes we think that's what leadership is or that's what resilience is or pop back up faster than the last time you did. I'm asking you, do you have a system and a strategy that allows for you to leverage your failures for good? to help you go faster, to become more profitable, to become the leader that you need to be to step into your next level of success. Well, conveniently for you, I do have a process and it's not my own. I can't take credit for it. It is the great John Maxwell's process that he passed along to me as one of my mentors. I had the opportunity to sit down and get this and take notes. And now I'm bringing it to you because it's too good to keep to myself. It's an actual process that you can use yourself within your team, with your clients to get a return on investment, an ROI on your failures. So no longer are they just the great sting that haunts you. They're no longer the rejection or the, you know, the ego bruise that you have to deal with. It's something that you see as an opportunity. So I'm going to pass along this very strategic step-by-step process. And if you're not using this process, you are leaving money, opportunity, leadership on the table. All right, let's jump in. Hey, you're listening to the Luminary Leadership Podcast, and I'm your host, Liz. This is the space where we equip overwhelmed entrepreneurs to become the confident, visionary leader their business, team, family, legacy need to win. After working with countless entrepreneurs over the last decade plus, I've noticed this theme. No matter the level of success they achieved, and I've worked with some incredibly successful business owners, they get to this point where they're asking, now what? You know, what am I being called to next? What does next look like? How do I get there? If you're listening to this, you get it. You're craving more impact and you want to feel less frantic and in the weeds of your day-to-day roles and instead lead with that vision and that peace and that intention and that clarity. You want to wake up each morning with that clarity and vision and the time and the margin to do what you love in your business and in your life with your family. This show is where industry leaders come to grow into their next level of achievement and purpose and impact and legacy, success in business and true legacy at home. Get ready because we both know you don't just need another strategy. It is time for your breakthrough. Let me give a little backstory on this incredible process that I learned through my mentor, John Maxwell. Many of you know and love John Maxwell. He's one of the greatest authors of all time. He's written 88 or 89 books, many of which, most of which are bestsellers. And I had an opportunity to sit down and connect with him and now have a personal connection with him. And we actually do business together, which still blows my mind because for years, He was the one, without ever knowing who I was, that was becoming a teacher and a catalyst for change in my life. 12 years ago, a mentor of mine handed me a John Maxwell book, and my life has never been the same since. I see the world through a completely different lens, the lens of leadership. It is why I created the Luminary Leadership Company, what I've learned through his works. And about a month and a half after the baby was born, our fourth baby... 
one of my dear friends, Monica, she called me and she said, hey, you got to get down to Oklahoma. I'm part of an event that we're hosting John Maxwell at, and you got to come see him speak. And I'm thinking, I just had a baby. You know, I've seen him speak many times. I love his work, but I can't justify a trip this early postpartum. I'm exhausted. I'm breastfeeding all the time. I'm attached to the hip with the baby. Like it's not happening. And she said, you got to get down here because I have VIP tickets because I'm, I've hosted a table and that means we get to go to a meet and greet before the event. I said, yeah, even that, you know, it's still not worth it. I'm not, I don't need a picture with somebody, you know, I love his work, but I'm not that much of a junkie that I have to like get a photo to prove that I've met him. So then finally, a third time she reaches out. And when Monica tells you to do something, you do it because she's just got this connection to God. Like I've never seen. She said, listen, God's placed on my heart to keep bugging you about this. You've got to get down here. So I said, all right. And I just felt this peace about it. I'm going to go. I literally was there for 24 hours. I flew down to Oklahoma, flew right back, was pumping the whole way through. And I went down and as I'm up at 3 a.m. feeding the baby before I was leaving for the event, I'm like, what am I doing? I'm not going to this thing. And then I just heard this little whisper, just go. So I get on the plane. I fly down to Oklahoma. We have just enough time to get ready to go to this event. And there was the meet and greet prior. And the cool thing was there were only about 20 VIPs there. So we had the opportunity to connect with John and chat with him a little bit. And in our connection, we realized we had a mutual friend. So of course he says, oh, let's take a selfie and I'll text her. So we take a picture, he sends it to our mutual friend, and then we start connecting. And he's asking me about the Luminary Leadership Company and very inquisitive about what I do and how I do it and really our business model. So he realizes there's a line behind me and he says, okay, I have to, you know, connect with these other people, but I'll come find you late, find you later. And I'm thinking, yeah, sure you will. Uh, where you're the keynote speaker at an event with thousands of people and I'm going to be, you know, one in those thousands, but this was a cool experience anyway. So we go down to the dinner, it's a dinner, and then he's going to get up and, and speak. And mid dinner, I hear someone saying, Liz, Liz. And I look up and it's John Maxwell. And he calls me over and we continue chatting. He says, all right, are you, I have to, I have to get up and speak now, you know, because he's the keynote. And he says, are you going to be at the VIP breakfast tomorrow? I said, I don't know. I have a flight to catch right after. He's like, just be there. So we get to the event the next morning, which was so difficult to like get myself out of bed because I hadn't slept the night before. Then I barely slept the night that night because I was up pumping all night to bring milk home to the baby. And I dragged my butt out of bed and I said, listen, this is why, you know, God called me down here. I'm just going to go to this thing. It'll be nice because it's a candid setup where he's there and we just get to pepper him with questions and he just answers them on the fly. And so you get that really candid, natural response, just getting to pick the brain of someone who's found just unbelievable success, both in business and leadership and just in life, just an admirable leader. So I walk into the event and immediately I'm greeted by John with his infamous yellow legal pad. He says, Liz, oh, I'm so glad you're here. I was up in the middle of the night. I thought of a bunch of questions I wanted to ask you. Will you have breakfast with me? So I sit and I have breakfast with John Maxwell. Now, the funny thing about this is to, to emphasize what a big deal this is for me and how much this is God opening doors that I could have never opened for myself. About a month before, we're working on our website. We're relaunching the luminaryleadershipco.com. And my team says, it would be really cool if we had a little Q&A on the about page just so people could get to know you. And one of the questions was, if you could have a beer with anybody, who would it be? And my answer for that, long before this event, 
was John Maxwell. I would sit, I'd just ask him so many questions. I also have Shaq in there because like who wouldn't want to have a beer with Shaq? But aside from Shaq, it was John Maxwell. That's how profound his work has been in my life. And then there I am sitting having breakfast with him. And on that day, he taught me this process that I'm about to teach to you. And in that breakfast, one of the the key things that I have to note that was so mind-bending to me, this man is 76 years old. He was going into his 89th book launch, most of which were bestsellers. And he's sitting there asking me, a little peon in the world of you know, his space compared to him. Questions. He's still curious. He's 76. He's still curious. He has removed his ego from the situation so that he can continue to learn. He's forever a student. And that was such a humbling realization. And I have to continue to learn any opportunity I get. Doesn't matter how much money somebody has. It doesn't matter their status. I have an opportunity to learn from everybody that I meet. So we're sitting there. And what we found was We had an awesome opportunity to collaborate in business together because the things that he's tremendous at, I have plenty of opportunities to learn from him on. But also at the same rate, we identified some gaps in his business that are in my sweet spot, my zone of genius in what I do. And as crazy as it was that he wanted me to consult on his business, it was still just such an awesome opportunity. We now we have a relationship in business and in in life, and my mind is still blown over it. But I want to bring you this ROI on failure process that he taught to me that day that has been so, so powerful for our team. Because I knew some of these nuggets of wisdom on how you can bounce back better after a failure or how you can learn from a failure. But he turned it into a strategic process that I can leverage anytime I have a setback or a failure that actually works in my favor. I get an ROI on it. A failure is now a true opportunity. People say fail forward. People say, oh, failure is an opportunity to learn. No, I'm talking about like failure can be an opportunity to grow faster, to make more money, and to become more of the leader that you need to be to carry your mission forward. So here we go. We're going to talk through all things failure. One of the things that he emphasized in this process before I get into the steps is the idea that we have to keep failure and success hand in hand. They're in partnership. In our world, especially in entrepreneurship, we try to separate the two. We're either failing or we're succeeding. What he emphasizes is the fact that We cannot have successes without failures. They go hand in hand. And when you're winning, when you're having successes, knowing that a failure is right there, right on the heels of you, is what keeps you humble, right, in the times that you're winning. And when you're failing, when you're struggling, when you're struggling to get those wins, which will use this process to get wins more more quickly, but when when you're having those failures, knowing that success is around the corner keeps you resilient. It keeps you pushing. It keeps you motivated. So those two are in partnership. They work hand in hand and they can be a beautiful partnership when you understand and you don't try and compartmentalize them so much. It's why we become so defeated by failure because we forget that it's, wait, this is just, this is just on the path to success. This is a necessary piece of the puzzle. Okay, so that's one thing that really struck me. And then the second thing was the idea of good failures versus bad failures, right? Sometimes we make this mistake in thinking that there are good failures and bad failures. 
when really what determines a good failure versus a bad failure is not the failure itself. So one example, someone might say, oh, um, I pitched that big name to be on their podcast and they said no, but that's a good failure because I fine-tuned my pitch and I learned what I could do better and I was brave enough to do the thing and I did it. That's a good loss, right? That's a good miss versus a bad miss. Uh, I hired the wrong person again. I should have known better. I've made this mistake so many times. I'm such an idiot. Why did I do that? That's a bad failure. I shouldn't have done it. But really what makes it a good versus a bad failure is what you do with the failure as a leader. It's what comes after the failure, right? And that's this process that I'm going to walk you through. So it's the failure is, it's not determined by the failure itself. It's determined by what you actually do as a leader with that failure. Now I'm going to be looking down for a quick second because I have notes. He read to us from um, Portia Nelson's very, very short book. I have five chapters that will take me about 15 seconds to read to you. That's how short this is around the idea of what you do with a failure. And it tees up this process of getting an ROI on failure. So she says, this is all like, this is emotional intelligence in a nutshell. Okay. I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I am lost. I am hopeless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find my way out. Okay, so I, as I, that's chapter one. I want you to think through the words I'm saying and then apply this to the, this is essentially entrepreneurship all laid out in this kind of fun little short chaptered book, okay? The second chapter, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place, but it isn't my fault. It still takes a long time to get out. I walk down the same street. How often, let me just digress for a second. How often do we play entrepreneurship like that? We have a failure that we experience and then we fall in the same hole because we do not take ownership, right? And then we beat ourselves up. I can't believe I'm back here again. I thought I was beyond this. Okay, next chapter. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it there. I still fall in. It's a habit. It's a habit. My eyes are open. I know where I am. It is my fault. I get out immediately. And then finally, leadership, final chapter. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. I walk down another street. This is the process we're going to talk about. Okay, this is how we get a return on investment on failure. Step one, testing, testing. This is what every entrepreneur needs to be doing in order to see success in their lives and in their business. Testing, the courage to do the thing, taking action. We call it testing because that's what it is. When you test, you're innovating. You're taking the risk. You're doing the thing. It's how you open the door to do opportunities. It's where we have the courage to try. It's where we actually start to make create some momentum in our business. We launch the thing. We pitch the person, right? We, we make the changes in our schedule. We, do, we write the book, whatever it might be. Without testing, this is when we fall into that stagnation. 
where we try to create in a vacuum and we hope that we magically find success, but that's not how it works. Where we're trying to protect ourselves or protect the successes we've already had. This is where you see this a lot. Once someone's seen success, they play small. We had an entire podcast episode on that. We'll link it below. You do not want to play small. You want to go big, right? You want to play to win. So instead of playing defense and protecting what is or trying not to lose, you take the risk. You test, okay? Testing leads into part two, failing. Because when we test, we naturally fail. You're not going to get it perfect every single time. And this is where that success and failure hand in hand is so powerful to understand. When you set the expectation, when I test, there will be failures. But that's how I work my way to success. You see the path ahead and you see the failures on that path and you know that they're of value to you because you are intentionally taking the risks knowing that failures come with risk. You cannot perfect it over here in the piece of your home office where no one can see you failing and then only put it out when there's no risk of failure. That's not how it works. So with testing, we fail. And we fail because we're courageous enough to do the things that we've never done. We're on the cutting edge. When you're testing, you're willing to take that risk. You're willing to step out on that ledge of an area where you've never been before. So can you now see that you literally cannot grow without failure? You cannot grow without failure. You cannot step into your next level of possibility and leadership and success without the willingness to test and fail. When we test and we fail, oftentimes people quit. That's where people quit because it's excruciating sometimes when we fail, right? We put all this heart and soul into testing and then it falls short. And we end up dis- disappointed, defeated, and that's oftentimes where people stay stuck, right? They go back to playing defense or not playing at all because it's too painful. But those that continue down the path, those that have the possibility for growth and opportunity, they test, they fail, and then they learn. Now, this is where you start to just scratch the surface on leadership, right? Test, fail, learn. It's amateur leadership, though. So, What is learning? This is where we start to strike a little bit of gold. This is where we often try and skip this step, but those that understand the power of it will say, wait a minute, what can I extract from that failure? Instead of just plowing right on through it, this is where we start to get the ROI. This is where we start to say, what are the lessons here? What am I being taught? What am I learning? Where's the wisdom in this? So that my loss or my failure is not in vain. It's a value. So what could be better next time? What could I do differently? This is an opportunity to understand that growth is cumulative. It's not the win. It's not the book. It's not the launch. It's all these tests over and over and over adding up to the possibility. So The leadership move around this idea is build in time weekly for reflection, to learn, to look at the past week, reflect on it and say, what could I have done better? Where did I fall short with my team that week? Why didn't that launch go as I thought it would? And extract that data, okay? It's all just data. And when you start to see 
the learnings as data, not a personal reflection on your character because a launch didn't go well or a a client canceled or a team member quit or whatever the thing is that you're navigating that kind of stings a little bit, you can start to take that data and do something with it, which is step four, improve, improve. We don't want to just learn, right? Oftentimes people say knowledge is power. No, if you analyze the knowledge and apply what you learn, now you start to have power. Okay, so now we get into improve. What are you going to do with that data? You just learned something. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to walk down the same street and fall in the same hole? Are you going to take a different street? Are you aware of it now? Do you take ownership of it now? You'd be surprised how often we learn something, but we don't actually apply it. And we think just because we know it that we automatically apply it. No, it has to be an intentional thing. You have to sit down with your team and say and articulate as the leader how you're going to do it differently because of those learnings, right? This is where you have an opportunity to cash in on the ROI, to actually start to see it work for you. Do you reinvent based on your learnings? You've innovated, you've taken the risk, you've failed, you've learned, but now we're going to do it differently. We're not going to go to market the same way we just did. We're going to do it differently. We're not going to have that conversation the same way we just did. We're going to do it differently. So think about those frustrations or those failures or those reoccurring patterns and issues that you keep facing. You're likely not doing this part. You're likely not improving how you're doing it. Make a conscious change. You should be able to identify on paper what you're doing differently, right? You should be able to highlight, yep, this is how we're going to approach it differently this time. And then finally, once you've learned and improved, now you can re-enter. The problem is people re-enter too soon, right? They test, they fail, they re-enter, they just keep going. Or they test, they fail, they learn, they re-enter, but they never improved it. They never changed the thing. So that improvement, that number four is really critical. So what's re-entry? That's the courage to test again with the new data and the new plan. Do not re-enter until you've improved. Have the courage to try again and again and again and again. Success is a cumulative process. Successful people tweak their way and adjust their way to victory. They don't get it right the first time. They test, right? They fail, they learn, they improve, and then they re-enter. That's how you move forward boldly. That's how you get past, not only just get past your past, losses or failures. It's how you leverage them. That's why people like John Maxwell are insanely successful because he tested. The first book he wrote sucked, right? What did he learn from that failure after the test? Then how did he make improvements on the next book? And then he re-entered with the next book. And that one was not a bestseller. And then he did it again and again and again until he started turning those flops into bestsellers, but there was a progression. There was a process. So this process, I recommend write it down and put it where you can see it up on your wall, on the backdrop of your computer, bring it to your team, bring it to your clients. I wish I could take credit for this brilliance, but I cannot, but I had to pass it along. It was too good not to. This is truly what failing forward is. This is really what it means to be a leader who's leveraging possibility and opportunity. All right, if this spoke to you, please 
leave a review on the podcast. If you're listening, if you're watching, leave a comment below. Share this with someone who could really use this, someone that you care about, that you want to see win. Tag them, share it, pass it along. Please and thank you and thanks for tuning in. And until next time, and be sure to go check out the show notes if you're tuning in, the description below if you're watching. We have some great resources that you can leverage to support you in your growth journey as a leader. I hope today's episode gave you what you needed. If it spoke to you, please leave us a review and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on the next powerful episode. And I know it's so cliche to ask for a review. It always feels weird asking for one, but you guys, that makes a huge impact on the show. We read every one of them and it helps us get incredible guests to serve you. Don't be shy. I love connecting with our listeners. You can follow along on Instagram when I'm on there at Eliz Hartke. And if there's a topic or a question or a guest you have for us, reach out, share your thoughts. You can connect at marketing at luminaryleadershipco.com. And we do this for you. So the more you tell us, the more we can serve you. Thanks for spending some time with me. I really do appreciate you. Tune in next week to keep building your legacy and becoming the confident visionary leader you are meant to be.